ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن الا وانتم مسلمون يا ايها الناس اتقوا ربكم الذي خلقكم من نفس واحده وخلق منها زوجها وبث منهما رجالا كثيرا ونساء واتقوا الله الذي تساءلون به والارham ان الله كان عليكم رقيبا اما بعد my dear brothers and sisters in Islam, our Prophet wasallam predicted in many, many traditions the fact that as we come closer to the Day of Judgment, more and more problems and calamities and trials and afflictions are going to come upon us. In one beautiful hadith in Sahih Muslim, our Prophet wasallam said that each and every Prophet warned his ummah about the problems that they would face. And what I am telling you is that this ummah of mine, its blessed era is the earlier era. And as for the later eras, that's basically us. As for the later times, فَسَيُصِيبُ آخِرُهَا بَلَاءٌ وَأُمُورٌ تُنْكِرُونَهَا The later times are going to be afflicted with trials, and calamities that you will find difficult to bear. And our Prophet ﷺ said in this hadith, every time one trial comes, it will make the one before it look trivial. Each one will make the one before it seem to be trivial. And so when the mu'min will see the new fitna come, the new trial come, he will say, this one, I'm going to be destroyed. I cannot stand it. Then it will be lifted up. And another one will come. And the believer will say, This is the one, this is the one that will destroy me. <clears throat> and brothers and sisters, Wallahi, when you look at the events and occurrences in the last decade and a half, it appears that, Musta'an, we are seeing this hadith enacted before our very eyes. Every time we thought that nothing worse can happen, another calamity, another tragedy, the rise of Islamophobia, it is truly unbelievable that the primary Republican candidate can so casually suggest that all Muslims should be ID'd, that all Muslims should now have a special registration. It is unbelievable that one of the most prominent candidates to become president can say that we should shut down every single mosque in America. And another one can say that Muslims should not run for office. The climate of Islamophobia has now become something that is not only acceptable, but rather when the, when the candidates become more Islamophobic, their popularity rises amongst the population. Brothers and sisters, I cannot stress enough how dangerous such rhetoric is. Why? Because no law can be passed without the population somehow wanting that law to be passed. And in order for the population to want that law to be passed, it must begin by stigmatization, by 
to simply suggest something that might be preposterous and then it is considered to be too preposterous for now. Then it will be brought up again, then once again, then the third and fourth, then serious discussion will begin. And then the next thing you know, that law will become a reality. And if we, each and every one of us, the Muslim American community, and our allies who want to help us in our protection of our First Amendment values, if we do not start acting now, if we take a lazy attitude, if we consider this to be mere talk, then I worry about the next few years. This result of Islamophobia is because of an attack in a land far, far away. God forbid, my dear brothers and sisters, but if some crazy person were to have an attack here, what would this result for people like us? Think about the repercussions of what is happening now. We see already how blatant and open this rhetoric has become. Many of you have seen videos of incidents here in America and across the Western world. And of course the reality is, let us not forget, yes it is true, we also have crazy lunatics in our side as well. We also have fanatics, overzealous, misguided individuals. And the problem comes that we in this masjid and all over the world understand that these people don't represent us. We know that. And I don't need to teach you a khutbah about the dangers of fanaticism because we are not worried about that amongst us. But unfortunately, those outside of our ranks consider such people to be representative. Or if not representative, at least coming from within our centers and masajid. The presidential candidate explicitly said, we all know that mosques are centers of radicalization. What a blatant lie. Wallahi, this is such a bold-faced lie. We all know the people who frequent the mosques. We all know that mosques are not at all the hotbeds of radicalization. We all know that mosques are places of worship, of community, of children playing, of iftar parties. This is what the masjid is for. And yet the presumption, the perception, the notion that mosques are hotbed of radicalization. The question, dear brothers and sisters, if we are not going to correct this misunderstanding, then who will? If we're still going to be lazy, if we're going to pass the buck, somebody else is going to do it. Brothers and sisters, we have to realize, and I don't want to sound alarmist here, but already parallels are being drawn between rhetoric from the far right now and rhetoric from the Nazi party of the 1920s Germany. Already parallels are being drawn. One of the main publications of England compared Muslims to rats invading into its territory. This is exactly what the Nazis did to describe the Jews of their own lands. The notion of monitoring a specific ethnicity or race was something the Nazis did to every Jew. You had to register, you had to wear an identity badge. And for 70-80 years, the motto, the slogan was never again, never again, never again. Guess what? We are now hearing the same rhetoric. Every Muslim should be monitored. The, the, the Republican candidate said, we will, we will ask every Muslim to register their identity. These are difficult times, we have to now call for difficult situations and scenarios. And it is true that he's being called out, but the condemnation is so, it's so gentle, it's so, it's so trivial. And his own party, by and large, has still accepted him.
And he is the leading contender amongst the Republican Party. Brothers and sisters, again, I don't want to sound alarmist here. But if we're not going to take action now, who else is going to take action? If we're not going to do something to help each other out now, and get the help of the broader community who understands and sympathizes with our freedom, then what is going to happen in the future? And of course, brothers and sisters, there are two elements that we need to talk about, and the khutbah obviously can only do so much. There is the spiritual element, and then there is the practical or pragmatic element. There is the element of what do we do as Muslims who believe in Allah, and then there is the element of what do we do as Americans who want to protect our freedoms. These are two different topics, and they both need to be discussed. They both need to be uh, uh, prescribed if you like. And of course, my speciality and expertise is the Islamic side. And there are those who are more involved in the legal side, in the, in the activism side. And this needs to be done. That's our response, that there has to be a two-pronged response. Number one, on the religious side. We need to understand why this is happening. We need to read the Quran and Sunnah. We need, to, we need to contextualize what does Allah want us to do? Why is this happening to us? That's the spiritual side. And that's something I have spoken about before and I'll continue to speak about. And even in today's khutbah, we'll mention some of that. But there is another element as well. Mere talk of spirituality will not solve the problems. Our Prophet didn't just sit behind and give halaqat and durus. No, he was an activist in Mecca. He went around preaching and teaching. And he also went around negotiating. He went around getting the freedoms that he wanted. And when he wasn't able to get it there, he went to Medina and he got it over there. Political activism is also a part of Islam. And in this country, when we are guaranteed the freedom to be Muslim, that is why many of us came here. And that is the irony that we came fleeing from religious persecution only to face even worse religious persecution over here. But alhamdulillah, the situation is not completely dismal. People are speaking out. But now is the time to get our act together. Brothers and sisters, realize that indeed some of us we feel that these ahadith are so pessimistic. They, they are doom and gloom. They talk about the future getting worse and worse. And there's an element of truth that that is true. The ahadith do seem to be somewhat of a dreary picture. But the fact of the matter, these ahadith are not meant for us to become politically inactive. They're meant to console us that, you know what? When the time gets bad, Allah and His Messenger, they told us that it's going to get bad. The purpose of these hadith is not so that we become lazy. If you look at these hadith, they are very explicit. Of the signs of the Day of Judgment, our Prophet ﷺ said, وَيُكْثِرُ الْحَرَجِ Haraj is going to increase. They said, what is haraj? He said, al-qatl, al-qatl. People killing, people killing. And if you look at killing, even today, there was another attack in Mali. And last week, the attack in France, and this and that. And of course, the other way as well. The bombings that... Governments do against people, against civilian populations. The bombings that tyrannical regimes do, do against their own populations. And everybody's killing everybody else. And this did not happen for most of human history. For most of human history, it wasn't as if this type of complete chaos. Our Prophet told us that a person will kill somebody and he won't even know why he killed him. It's just a blind fitna, he said. That one party killing another party, you don't even have any personal grievance with the other person. And this is what we see again. Our Prophet told us that the fitan will become so dangerous. He said that one day he said, as he was sitting on one of the roofs of Medina, he said, I, fee, I see trials and tribulations falling upon you 
like a heavy thunderstorm, like the drops of rain. In other words, it's as if you cannot run away from it. Every one of us will be affected by it. Our Prophet in another hadith, he said that, <clears throat> that trials will come, fitness will come, that are so terrible, so difficult to bear, that a person will wake up a Muslim, but he will go to sleep at night a kafir. Or he will go to sleep a Muslim and wake up the next morning a kafir. Meaning, the trial will be so difficult, he will reject his faith in order to save himself and his skin. But the reality is, that is not going to save himself. And even if it saves himself in this world for a bit, bit of time, it will not save himself in the next. Brothers and sisters, indeed it is true that our Prophet predicted that more and more trials will happen. But as we said, the purpose of those predictions was not so that we become lazy and inactive. It was not so that we accept that that's going to happen. It was to console us that look, this is something that we know and there's a wisdom that we do not understand. But we do not accept status quo. And we fight against any type of oppression. And we fight for our freedoms. And we do not just let people take away our right to be Muslim. That's not what Islam ever wanted us to do. And realize, my dear brothers and sisters, that even as our Prophet ﷺ predicted these fitnas, predicted these trials and tribulations, he also told us some of what we need to do, some of the wisdoms of why this is happening and what we need to do to respond. Of the wisdoms of why these trials happen, is in fact summarized even in the word fitna, which is used in the Quran and Sunnah to describe these trials and tribulations. Fitna we translate it as a test, as a trial, as a tribulation. But in reality, in pre-Islamic Arabic, in ancient Arabic, fatana did not mean trial. Fatana mean, meant to examine. Fatana meant to examine. And that is why the goldsmith in Arabic was called fatan. Because what does the goldsmith do? He examines gold to see whether it's real gold or whether it's fake gold. The goldsmith, you would go to him and you would get him to assess how many carats, is it authentic, is it not. So he was called the fatan, the one who inflicts the fitna. And how does the goldsmith test the, the uh, veracity or the carat of the gold? They would put it through a furnace. And that furnace was called fitna. Because the furnace tested the gold. The furnace tested the gold. And what happened after the test was what? What came out of it was pure raw gold. The purest of the pure. So even in the word fitna, we see a symbolism of the wisdom of why Allah tests us. The purpose of a fitna is to purify the righteous believers, to sift through and to make sure that our iman is as pure as that gold that comes out of the fitna or the furnace. Alif Lam Mim nasu an yutraku an yaqulu amanna wahum la yuftanun. Did mankind think that they would be left without having been tested? Just by saying we believe? No. Allah says, وَلَقَدْ فَتَنَّ الَّذِينَ مِنْ قَبْلِهِمْ Allah has tested those before you. Why? What was the purpose of the test? فَلَيَعْلَمَنَّ اللَّهُ الَّذِينَ صَدَقُوا وَلَيَعْلَمَنَّ الْكَاذِبِينَ The reason of the fitna, Allah will test who amongst you is true and who amongst you is a liar. 
True to what and lying to what? True in their claim that we are Muslims. True in their claim that we believe. And again, brothers and sisters, this goes back to a fundamental difference of our paradigm. We believe in Jannah. We believe in a world after this world. Even if we don't get full justice in this world, we believe in the justice of the next. Even if we don't enjoy this world, we believe in the enjoyment of the next. So the purpose of the fitna is to make us truly re-examine what are my priorities? Enjoyment of this world or enjoyment of the next? What are my priorities? To live this dunya and then to die? Or to live the never-ending life of the akhirah? This is what the fitna does. It tests us. It makes us reevaluate and think. It sifts each and every one of us so that the filthy impurities, just like that gold that has the impurities, when it goes through the furnace, what happens to those impurities? It falls away. It leaves it. Then what comes out? Nothing but pure gold. This is what a fitna is supposed to do. And there are those who don't have any gold. They're nothing but impurities. So what will the fitna do? Crumble them up and destroy them. And astaghfirullah, this is exactly what we see. There is a whole industry here in America of these pseudo-Muslims or ex-Muslims. There's a whole industry of self-hating Muslims. People who will sell their religion so that they can get on the New York Times bestseller list. And that's very easy these days. Any Muslim who wants to criticize Islam, or an ex-Muslim who wants to criticize Islam, immediately the fame, the prominence, the money, the interviews, non-stop. And there are people, as we all know, they have made a lifestyle, they have made their income to criticize Islam. They were born into Muslim families, but they realized fame and fortune awaits me if I leave. Clearly they failed the fitna. And there are people that we see all the time. These are the standard pundits and the experts that are interviewed by the far right and Fox News and others. This is the reality. They have failed miserably. So we see those that have failed. Inshallah, we also see those that are remaining firm. Alhamdulillah, how many of us here in this masjid, when we came to this land, our iman was not that strong. But being surrounded by all types of fitna, major and minor, Fitna of a social level and fitna of a personal level. What happens? Many of us, we rediscovered our Islam. Many of us, our faith became more committed. Perhaps we weren't that involved with the masjid. Lo and behold, we realize, I want to be a part of the masjid. Perhaps we weren't that concerned about our salah. Lo and behold, we realize, I need to start praying regularly. And alhamdulillah, that's a positive sign that the fitna has affected us in a manner that it should. That's exactly what the fitna should do. That we come out of it pure than when we came into it. But dear brothers and sisters, what's happening is that the temperature of the furnace is increasing. The fire of the fitna is getting more and more. So we need to become pure and pure. We need to rise up even more than what we had already done. And this is a necessary reality if we want to preserve Islam for our children. If we want to preserve our freedoms to be Muslim in this land. Brothers and sisters, already the Islamophobic crimes against our Muslim populations have reached more than a hundred. People have been harassed and intimidated. How many of our sisters in hijab have been pulled off? 
A number of cases, I've heard of at least two, where strollers were pushed into ongoing traffic. And this happened in Europe, not in America as far as I know. That there was a stroller pushed on into ongoing traffic. Where an elderly person was basically beaten up in Scotland with his wife. A Muslim in their 50s or 60s, white beard, can you imagine? Group of thugs surrounded him and then beat him and his wife. Both of them are hospitalized. And the stories are on and on. We already know a few months ago of the massacres of the three Muslims here, of their neighbor that went in and shot them in cold blood. If we are not going to stand up and face this challenge, who else is going to do that? And there are many ways of doing this, brothers and sisters. And today's khutbah cannot talk about all of them. But very, very briefly, as I said, it's a two-pronged, it's a two-pronged attack. Number one, spiritual. And number two, political or activist. As for the spiritual element, dear brothers and sisters, then realize that these fitan, they need us to reaffirm our iman in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah mentions in the Quran stories of people far more tried and tested than us. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Am hasibitum an jannah. Do you think you're just going to enter Jannah like that? And you haven't heard of the problems that ha- happened before you? They were afflicted with war and famine and plague and diseases. They were afflicted with torture. They were shaken to the core. Until even the prophets and those that were with them began to wonder, where is the help of Allah? When will the help of Allah come? That has not yet happened, alhamdulillah, here. But Allah is saying, do you think you're the first? No, you're not the first, you're not going to be the last. But the purpose of the fitna was zulzilu. They were shaken to the core until they came out and they said, Allah's help has to come. And Allah says, Allah inna nasrallahi qareeb. Verily, the help of Allah is always close. So the number one thing that we need to do is to reaffirm our iman in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I might not understand the wisdom. I don't understand why this is happening. I don't understand all of the calamities and tragedies that we see. The Palestinian problem is one that every one of us we have been born into. As long as living memory, 70 years have gone by. 7 million, 6 million Palestinian people across the world, they don't have a homeland to call their own. What is happening? Why? Allahu A'lam. Now the Syrian issue as well. Another 5, 6 million refugees, half a million if not more, killed in their own lands. What is happening? Why? I do not know. But this is a fitna. And we need to reassess our iman in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Do we believe in Allah? Yes, we do. Then we have to accept there's a wisdom. We don't have to accept status quo. We don't like what's happening. But we have to accept there is a wisdom that we don't understand. Number two, that should cause us to realize that the one who can change our situation is the one who has caused it. Al-umuru biyadillah. All affairs are in the hands of Allah. He does as He pleases. So every fitna should cause us to increase our dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We should always be making dua to Allah to protect us from fitnas and then to help us overcome fitnas. In fact, one of the duas of the Prophet was, إِذَا أَرَدْتَ بِعِبَادِكَ فِتْنَةً فَقُبِضْنِ إِلَيْكَ غَيْرَ مَفْتُونَ Oh Allah, if a major fitna is going to happen, cause me to come back to you even before the fitna happens. 
It's not something that you want to face. He would say, تَعَوَّذُوا بِاللَّهِ مِنَ الْفِتَنِ مَا ظَهَرَ مِنْهَا وَمَا بَطَنِ Seek Allah's refuge from all fitnas, the ones you can see and the ones you cannot see. So memorize this hadith, أَعُوذُ بِاللَّهِ مِنَ الْفِتَنِ مَا ظَهَرَ مِنْهَا وَمَا بَطَنِ أعوذ بالله من الفتن ما ظهر منها وما بطن. We should always be saying this because we do not know what tomorrow's fitna will come. We do not know what legislation, what crazy lunatic is going to come to our communities, our masjids, our houses, our schools. We don't know. So we seek refuge in Allah. Number two. So number one, affirm our iman. Number two, our dua to Allah subhanahu wa taala. Number three, our overall religiosity and good deeds. Our overall religiosity and good deeds. Our Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, الْعِبَادَةُ فِي الْفِتْنَةِ كَالْهِجْرَةِ إِلَيْهِ Worshipping Allah during times of fitna will get the reward of emigrating to me. Hijrah. So you want to be with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in this world and the next? Then worship Allah during times of fitna. And it is Reported in Sahih Bukhari that once the Prophet ﷺ woke up in a flustered state and he was agitated and something had happened. We do not know uh, what ilm al-ghayb he had been given at this point, what something of uh, knowledge of the unseen, but something had happened and he said, Allah has revealed some, uh, some fitna is coming down from, from up, from the heavens. And we do not know what it was, but what was his response? He said, he sent somebody and he said, wake up the women in their in their houses, meaning his wives, and tell them to start praying tahajjud. So what was the response to the fitna? He prayed tahajjud, and he told his wives to pray tahajjud. In other words, at times of fitna, you had better increase your ibadah. So this is the third point. So number one was iman, number two dua, number three, ibadah. Your salah, your zakah, just being a religious person. This is on the spiritual side. Number four we'll mention, of course, much more can be mentioned. Time is of the essence here. Number four we'll mention is knowledge. Knowledge. Studying Islam. Studying what Allah and His Messenger want from us. Studying the concept of fitna. Reading the predictions about the Day of Judgment. The signs of the Day of Judgment. All of this helps us understand what's going on. So, knowledge as well. And there are others, but uh, other points as well, but time is of the essence here. And as for the other prong of attack, if you like, and that is the activism. I have said many, many times, this is not my role. But there are people, alhamdulillah, they are involved in Islamic activism, in political activism, in defending our freedom and rights. There are many, many such organizations. And alhamdulillah, tonight, we have one of the main such organizations here in our uh, city. And as you know, we also have alhamdulillah, the famous Guantanamo guard who accepted Islam uh, after seeing the Muslim prisoners and interacting with them, he became a Muslim. Alhamdulillah, he is coming tonight as well to our masjid and he is being helped by one of these organizations that is helping the American Muslim community. And there are many other organizations. I want to highlight all of them. Tonight we are blessed to have one of the main ones, but that's not to, uh, to talk about the others in a negative manner. All of them are good. But the point is, each one of us, we have to also affiliate ourselves with some of these organizations. Each one of us, we have a passion, we have a, we have a talent. Some of us might be on the media, some of us uh, on Facebook and Twitter, other, whatever it is, we need to do something. And the least that we can do, brothers and sisters, the least that we can do, is that we make sure that our community, our colleagues, our co-workers, 
they think of us in a good manner. Because we are the main window that they have to Islam. Wallahi, nothing can beat this da'wah. Nothing can beat this da'wah. Because your colleagues and your co-workers, guess what? I don't have access to them. No shaykh or alim or da'i has access to them. There's only one person that has access to your network. And that's you. No other human being has access to your network other than you. You need to make sure that you are the role model Muslim. Good akhlaq, good manners, honest ethics, upright behavior. People need to associate the positive values of Islam with you. Which means what, my dear brothers and sisters? You will have to start living your life like a Muslim. You will have to show that honesty, the mercy, the tenderness, even the trivial sunnahs. What did Anas bin Malik say? Wallahi, I saw no one smile more than the Prophet Simple sunnah. Do you know the impact of just being cheery around your colleagues and co-workers? Always a positive attitude, optimism, smiling. This is da'wah. And when your colleagues and co-workers associate you with Islam, then they're not going to believe the presidential candidate when he talks about abstract Muslims. Because it's, oh, I know Mustafa, I know Ahmed, I know Fatima, they're not like that. But if you're going to be embarrassed about your own faith, and you're going to go hide away, and you're going to conceal your own identity, and you're not going to be proud to be who you are, well then, when that legislation is passed, everybody already knows who you are, even if you're too embarrassed to tell them. Brothers and sisters, again, I don't want to be alarmist here. But wallahi, looking at the last 15 years, there's, there has to be some sense of alarm. There has to be some sense of things are changing too rapidly. And when candidates can get away with such blatant talk, and even the response and rebuke is very muted, then really we need to rethink through our strategies and need to understand the times are changing and unfortunately in a manner that doesn't look good. So we have to make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and do what we can in order to combat such ignorance. And insha'Allah ta'ala, Allah azza wa jal will help us. Barakallahu alaykum for Quran al-Azim. Wa nafa'ani wa iyaakum bima fihim ayati wa dhikr al-hakim. Aqulu ma tasma'oon. Wa astaghfirullah al-Azim wa li wa lakum. Wa li sa'al muslim bil kurdha min fastaghfiru. Innahu huwa al-ghafur al-rahim. الحمد لله الحمد لله الواحد الأحد الصمد الذي لم يلد ولم يولد ولم يكن له كفوا أحد وبعد Brothers and sisters also realize that fitna isn't just all doom and gloom it's not just all the negatives and the harshness and the islamophobia fitna is also the exact opposite fitna can also be good health fitna can also be plenty of wealth fitna can also be a sense of lull of security a, a, a sense of, of of being materialistically happy while not understanding the importance of islam and religion what does allah say in the quran we're going to test you with both evil and with good as a fitna Good can also be a fitna. In fact, good is a fitna as well because it is another type of trial. 
What does Allah say in the Quran? Innama amwalukum wa awladukum fitna. Your money and your children are also a test for you. What does Allah say in the Quran? That sometimes your family are your enemies, so be careful of them. What does it say? What does it mean your family are your enemies? Some people read this and they say, What how can Allah say our families are enemies? Allah is not saying that you should hate your families. Allah is saying, be careful that your families don't become your enemies on the day of judgment when you don't do your job with them. When you are not doing what Islam wants you to do with them, on the day of judgment, they can come and say, Oh Allah, my father never told me to pray. My mother never told me the values of Islam. They will become your enemies if you do not do what Allah wants you to do. Also another interpretation is that your families have the power to cause you to lose track of purpose and reality of life. And a lot of us get so involved in the wealth and the family, we forget the ultimate reality of life. And so they become a type of enemy. Not that astaghfirullah, they, have, they are people you should hate, but rather that they are, because of the fact you are not seeing through, they are inadvertently misguiding you. Not directly, but inadvertently. So my dear brothers and sisters, as the first half of the khutbah, we talked about the negative issues of fitna. I felt it is also important we understand that many of us in this audience, we are also facing the other type of fitna, which is too much wealth, too much power, too much pleasures, too much of this material opportunities that we have. And that too is a fitna. And we need to be cognizant and aware of that as well. That Allah will ask us about, yes, the negatives and how we responded, but He will also ask us about the positives and what did we do with those positives that we have given. Barakallahu wa rakum fulqan azim. Allahumma ni da'in fa amminu. Allahumma la tad'na fi hadhi yawmi dhamman illa ghafarta, wala hamman illa farrajta, wala daynan illa qadayta, wala maridan illa shafayta, wala asiran illa yassarta. Allahumma aghfir lana wa li ikhwanina ladhina sabaquna bil iman, wala taj'a fi qulubina ghillan ladhina amanu. Rabbana innaka raufur rahim. اللهم أعز الإسلام والمسلمين اللهم أعز الإسلام والمسلمين اللهم أعز الإسلام والمسلمين اللهم من أرادنا أو أراد الإسلام والمسلمين بسوء فاشغله بنفسه واجعل تدميره في تدبيره يا قوي يا عزيز عباد الله إن الله تعالى أمركم بأمر بدأ به بنفسه وثنى بملائكة قدسه وثلث بكم أيها المؤمنون من جنه وإنسه فقال عز من قائل عليما إن الله وملائكة يصلون على النبي يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلم تسليما اللهم صل وسلم وبارك وأنعم على عبدك ورسولك محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين عباد الله إن الله تعالى يأمر بالعدل والإحسان وثائد القربة وينهى عن الفحشاء والمنكر والبغي يعظكم لعلكم تذكرون أذكر الله العظيم يذكركم واشكروه يزد لكم ولذكر الله تعالى أكبر وأقم الصلاة